Then David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The length of time David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and his kingship was firmly established. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This comes from 1 Kings chapter 2. And uh, this is a little behind on where I am actually in my readings, but I wanted to go back to something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, coming out of David's sin with Bathsheba. If you remember, he uh, gets told the parable by Nathan, remember, about the rich man who had flocks aplenty, but he takes this Uh, A traveler comes to him at night and he takes the little ewe lamb from the poor man and sacrifices it to be able to have a feast with this traveler. And David gets angry and says, well, that man should have to pay four times uh, for what uh, has happened, declaring judgment. And then Nathan says that wonderful line, you are the man. Well, what we don't uh, tend to spend our time thinking about uh, as we gloss over the story of David is that David's prophecy comes comes true. His declaration of judgment comes through that he should pay four times. Well, how does he pay? Uh, Well, number one, he loses that son, that child born to him from Bathsheba. That's one. Secondly, Absalom kills Amnon, right, as his brother, over the the rape of Tamar. That's two. Third, Absalom revolts against his father, starts a coup, gets killed. That's three. And four, we actually have here Adonijah. I didn't read much about that here, but Adonijah was supposed to be the next in line, like it was succession, right? You have Amnon and Absalom up there, top two. Then you have Adonijah. He's the the next one in line to become king because he's a son of the king, and it should be his place to be king. That's how it works. Uh, The oldest son, the next oldest son, gets to inherit everything, right? If all the other ones are dead before him, he gets it all. And so Adonijah assumes that he is going to be king. And so he declares himself king as as David is on his deathbed and he gets many of the military advisors behind him. He he gets some of the priests behind him. He gets a bunch of the people behind him. He he gets uh, people to parade in front of him to declare him as king, all these things. He's having this great feast. And Bathsheba, for some reason, believes that if Adonijah is made king, she and Solomon will be cast out. They'll be treated as criminals. They might even be executed for one reason or another. I don't know. It must have been, there must have been an issue within the household of David within that. We don't know that apart from the fact that uh, of of the circumstances of her becoming a wife to David. Not, never mind the fact that David had multiple wives and concubines, uh, a harem basically. And So Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan come to David and said, well, you've said that Solomon would be king next. Um, And in some ways, God did that work of saying, I'm going to pick Solomon. I'm going to choose him. And so David puts things in motion. 
to make it so that Solomon gets to be king. Anoint, has him anointed, has him ride on, on his donkey, on, on David's donkey, and has him sit on the throne even while David is still alive on his deathbed. And then what I read to you was the fact that David dies. And it says that Solomon's kingship was established. Well, before that, Adonijah freaks out and he goes running into the temple and he clings to one of the horns of the altar, begging that nothing would happen to him, that Solomon would do nothing to him because he's, he's terrified. And in some ways you're sitting here going, well, Adonijah was just doing what most people would do. And Solomon protects him, says, okay, yeah, brings him out. Solomon, his kingdom is established, but then Adonijah makes another mistake. He asks to marry the um, young servant girl that they found to care for David while he was on his deathbed. And basically that leads to his downfall and he gets killed, executed by Solomon and his, and his men. And there's many ways you can look at this story. You can, you can see it as uh, a fulfillment of David's prophecy that that man should pay back fourfold. Well, you have Amnon and Absalom and Adonijah and the young child born to Bathsheba. There's four, right? What David declares as judgment for himself, God says, okay, I'll give you that. Which in many ways we can learn a lot from that, that God gives us many things and he gives us many gifts and he gives us life, but also he holds that life in his hands. And so in the words of Job, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away blessed be the name of the Lord. But then also what we see is that God's calling doesn't work the way that we think it works. That we place a lot of emphasis on lines of succession. We place a lot of emphasis on education. We place a lot of emphasis on how somebody looks. We place a lot of emphasis on, on how gifted someone is or that we perceive them to be. And yet God chooses and or calls. He elects particular people to do his work. For instance, Jesus Christ is not the picture of some revolutionary Messiah. He doesn't show up with an army. He's not dressed in armor. He's not riding on a horse. He comes in humility, born in a barn, and is just a preacher who heals and speaks of the grace of God and faith in God for the salvation of the world, for the salvation of humanity, to repent, to turn away from all our desires of succession, all our desires to have a place because, well, we deserve it because we were the next one in line. And instead to trust in God and to lay ourselves down before him as servants, as our prayer talks about. And so here we have Solomon being the one that is chosen. And you can look and read into it a little bit too, that it's just Solomon killing off everybody that's going to keep him from having a solid reign. Yes, the politics of the day, that could have been. But for us, looking at it as God's hands within it, God choosing and electing the ones that he believes to be the ones that he wants, that he knows he wants for his work. So that could be you. You could be sitting here saying, oh, this is not for me. 
Ministry of whatever kind, not for me. Being in the church, not for me. But then God comes along and says, oh, really? That's what you think? That's not for you? Well, let's, let's have a laugh. And God grabs you by the heart, by the soul, and says, yeah, I think it will be you. I think it will be you. And then the next thing you know, you find yourself teaching or organizing a mission trip or starting a food shelf or a homeless shelter in your retirement, taking in foster children or going overseas to a dangerous place to proclaim the freedom that comes in Christ from our sins and the freedom that we have towards God. And that is what we desire. That is what we should be seeing is God taking us and calling us and maybe even ripping us out of our own realities to give us the one that he desires for us. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it cometh that thy faithful people do unto thee true and laudable service, grant, we beseech thee, that we may so faithfully serve thee in this life, that we fail not finally to attain thy heavenly promises through the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you tomorrow.